Good morning. We're glad that you're here. Very grateful for the opportunity to be together this morning. We pray that our time together will benefit all of us as we worship God. We're very grateful for the privilege, the freedom that we have in this country. And I would hope that we give thanks every day for the freedoms that we enjoy in this great country. We're going to be looking today in our lesson at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. In our study today, I want to talk about the one area in life that we cannot afford to fail. And what I'm talking about specifically is the tremendous responsibility God has placed on us as parents to teach our children. I would hope and pray that as parents, we believe strongly that our children need to know the Lord. There are a lot of things that are important in life. But this is the most important thing. I'm convinced that every lesson that we study in the Word of God is important. But this just might be one of the most important lessons that you'll ever hear. And the reason is because this message really accentuates the importance of teaching and leading our children to the Lord. I want to begin our study by reading again Ephesians 6 verse 4. Paul said, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I want to begin this morning by first of all talking about how we must educate our children in the Lord. Did you know that we have the duty to formally teach our children about the Lord? And this duty is serious business. And that's something that we need to underscore. The duty that has been entrusted into our hands is of paramount importance. And I would begin by saying that we need to take every opportunity that we have to teach our children in private and also we need to use opportunities to teach them publicly. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses stressed the importance to the children of Israel of teaching their children about God. He said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Lord our God is one. And he said, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. These words which are in you, he said, which I've commanded you, these are the words which are in you which I command you. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Moses instructing the children of Israel to teach 
That word diligently carries with it the idea of reiterating, to emphasize, to re-emphasize, to teach them divine truths about Almighty God. I think about, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul as he wrote to Timothy. And Paul reminded Timothy of the genuine faith that dwelt first in his mother, rather his grandmother, Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice, and then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. Over in chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said, and that from an infant. He said, you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So you think about, here is Timothy. He had a godly grandmother, a godly mother. And what was it that they did? They taught him the Scriptures. They followed what Moses laid down in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They had the responsibility of diligently teaching and reteaching and emphasizing and re-emphasizing the golden truths of God's Word. They believed in the power of God's Word. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, Every scripture, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. But the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So we need to use occasions in the home to privately teach our children about God. To stress to them the importance of knowing the Lord and living for the Lord. And I'm grateful to those of you that are doing that so faithfully. You recognize the awesome responsibility that God has entrusted you with and you're doing your best to fulfill that. And I would be the first to compliment you on that. But we need to encourage every single parent to understand the importance of teaching and instructing. Two things that really stand out. When we talk about the importance of formally teaching our children and the fact that this is serious business. It entails, number one, we must have an interest in our children. There are a lot of us that are genuinely interested in the well-being of our children, and rightly so. And we need to be interested in everything that they're doing. I'm grateful to those of you who are interested and who are so supportive of your children when they go to school, when they get involved in various activities in school and outside of school. And I'm grateful that you give your children the opportunity to grow and to explore new things and new ideas. But when it comes to their spiritual grounding, you've got to take an interest in that. Now we talk about teaching in the home, but it also is public in the sense that there are many opportunities for our young people to grow, to learn, to be educated in the Word of God. That begins in Bible class. It takes place in worship. And there are a lot of outside activities, devotionals, and various programs that are intended to be a blessing in the lives of our children. And so, to be interested 
in the welfare of our children, but then also to invest in the welfare of our children. Now, it's one thing to be interested in them. It's another thing to invest, isn't it? If you sent your kids to college, you know what an investment it is. Thousands upon thousands of dollars are spent every year making sure that our, that our children are learning and growing so that they can be a viable part of society, so that they can live independently. And I'm grateful for institutions of higher learning and the opportunities to grow and to excel academically. But spiritually, we need to be investing in our children, investing in their spiritual well-being, and how does that take place? We've got to educate them, don't we? And we've got to somehow strive to the best of our ability to educate them to the point that they're able to withstand the forces that are out there that would do everything within, well, I guess we would say there are forces out there, the devil, that would do everything within his power to circumvent their faith. So you've got to be interested in your children and you've got to invest in them. And sadly, sometimes we, in, we are interested in their academics, we're interested in their sports, we're interested in their extracurricular activities and nothing wrong with that. And we invest in those things, but we fail to show interest in their spiritual lives and we fail to invest in them spiritually. Now, what about the danger of failing to teach our children. And let me just say this. It's serious business. It's serious business when it comes to teaching them. It's serious business when it comes to not teaching them. And there are a couple of reasons. Number one, when we as parents fail to teach our children, what happens is our children suffer the loss of what I would call an eternal bearing. In other words, there are no guide, guideposts. There's not a compass in their lives. There's nothing to ground them, to anchor them. And you look at our world today, you look at America today, and what you see, a generation of people that have lost an eternal bearing. When you think about what's going on in our schools today all across this country, and you tell me, is something not amiss? You know, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, our adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did you know that the devil is at work? He is walking around in our schools today. And his work is readily seen in the classroom. And you think about young people who have no eternal bearing. I mean, to think about young people going into class and killing their peers, killing administrators and teachers. Who would have ever imagined that in America? 
And then you talk about young people that literally sell their lives out for drugs and alcohol. Why? Because as parents, as parents sometimes we have failed them. And I really believe the chaos in our nation is a direct result of the home and the bottom line is simply this. We in the home have failed, haven't we? Just be honest. We failed in America. And so we talk about this loss of an eternal bearing. But here's really the second part of that. And that is the loss of an eternal being. Could I ask you a question this morning? Would it break your heart to know that your child might lose his or her, her soul in an eternal hell? It would be devastating, wouldn't it? You think about a child made in the image and the likeness of God, bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh, and that child not having an eternal bearing, and then by way of his or her soul, losing that soul because as a parent we did not do our job in the home. It ought to shake us to our core to think that as God's people who have been entrusted with the tremendous blessings of salvation, that sometimes we fail to educate, to instruct our children in the way of God. Paul said, and he was right, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We can't afford to fail. But in many places we fail. And tragically, there are young people today, they have no eternal bearing and they will lose their eternal being. Why? Because we as parents failed them. And we talk about investing in their future, being interested in them as people. I want to be as upfront with you as I can. As parents, when we do not show interest in Bible study on a weekly basis, we are not interested in our children and we are not investing in our children. When we fail to come to worship regularly, we're not showing interest in our children and we are not investing in our children. It's just that plain. And it seems to me that there are a lot of folks in our world and in the church today, they have time for every single thing in the world, but they don't have time for God. Let me tell you what, it's going to cost you greatly. You're going to lose your children. It may not matter much to you now, but in 20 years it will. In 30 years it will. We've got time to go do this and do that. And if we can squeeze the Lord in, then God bless us. We need to get serious. It's serious business. It's not a laughing matter. Not something to joke about. But rather, you want to see your children in heaven, then you better act like it. We better act like it. We better make sure that we're doing everything. Now look, I get it. When our children reach a certain age, then they make decisions in their life. We have no control over them. 
But when they're under our guardianship, when they have been entrusted unto us as a steward, then we need to do everything we can to make sure that that ship is sailing in the right direction. That direction is heaven. And if we miss that, we've missed it all. Second thing. First, we need to educate our children in the Lord. Secondly, we must exemplify before our children the Lord. That means we need to demonstrate before them a Christian life, don't we? Remember what Paul said, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. What was Paul saying there? Was Paul infallible? Did Paul make mistakes in life? You know he did. Paul sim simply saying, look, you follow my lead insofar as I follow Jesus Christ. That's all he's saying. My life is a blueprint or a pattern, and you can follow that. You can follow my lead. Well, the same is true for us today. So when it comes to exemplifying the Lord before our children, Two thoughts. Number one, they need to see in us conviction. They need to see that we are convicted in the Lord. Could it be said of you that you have conviction? So in what ways? Could I suggest, number one, that it will be reflected in our love for the Lord. How much do you love the Lord? You know, Jesus said we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. He said this is the first and great commandment. John said in 1 John 4, verse 19, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. When you think about how much God has loved each and every one of us, the fact that Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us. The duration of that love is eternal. God said, speaking of the children of Israel, I have loved them with an everlasting love. The depth of that love demonstrated in the death of Jesus on Calvary for our sins. As Paul said, God commends his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So you think about how we need to show conviction in our lives before our children. It begins by loving the Lord. Can your children say that as a parent you love the Lord? That you love Him above all? That He is preeminent in your life? And then secondly, it's reflected in our loyalty to the Lord. What do I mean by loyalty? Well, the idea is that as children of God, we have bought in. In other words, we're all in when it comes to serving God, aren't we? Do you remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Do you recall Paul in writing to the church at Colossae talked about his relationship to Christ. He said, for Christ who is our life. Paul, you mean to tell me that Jesus is the hub of your life? That's exactly right. Everything revolves around him. Why? Because I'm loyal to him. Because I love him. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, speaking of Christ who loved me 
and gave himself for me. When we love God, we're loyal to him. Why? Because we understand all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ. If you're a Christian, you're blessed. You're blessed. Abundantly blessed. So to be in Christ is a tremendous blessing. And so we reflect our conviction to the Lord. It's reflected in our love for him. It is reflected in our loyalty to him. And it is reflected in our life for him. Jesus is everything, isn't he? We sing the song, he is my everything. Is that, is that indicative of your life? That Jesus is your everything? That everything revolves around him? That you love him to that extent? That your life is all about Jesus. You remember when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and he said, for to me to live is what? It's Christ. Think about if parents today, if all of us as parents genuinely loved the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind and we were loyal to him day in and day out and our children could say, you know what? My mother, my father, my mama, my daddy, when it comes to Christianity, they're all in. They bought in. It's about their life. It is their life. A second thing. And that is, it is reflected in our consecration to the Lord. As parents, we're to be an example. We're to exemplify our conviction, but also our consecration. We understand we have been separated from the world under God that we belong to Him. So we are consecrated to His will day in, day out. Our motto, so to speak, is simply this. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. We're willing to do what God wants us to do. Why? Because we love Him. Because we're loyal to Him. Because He's our life. And we're submissive to His will day in, day out. It's reflected in our consecration to the Lord. We're consecrated to the will of God. And let me say this, we are consecrated to worshiping God. You and I today, we're in the presence of God. And as God said to Moses centuries ago, take your sandals off. Why? Because you're on holy ground. He was in the presence of a holy God. And that's where we are today, in the presence of a holy God. The psalmist said, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We're bowing in the presence of the Creator, Sustainer, and Redeemer of heaven and earth. We're in the presence of deity right now. God is in our midst. And we're before a holy God. And we as parents understand the blessings of worship. We come to give, we come to get, don't we? We give our worship to God, but we get great blessings from it, don't we? And then we're consecrated to his work. And that is, we understand that we are God's masterpiece. That we're his treasure. And that we are a work of art in his eyes. We have been created in Christ Jesus under good works. And so those 
things that we do in the name of Jesus, they are done because of our love for the Lord, our loyalty to Him, because He's our life. So we're willing to work and labor for the cause of Christ, not because we have to, but because we want to. It's a labor of love, isn't it? All right. There's a third thing I want to share with you. And that is we must encourage our children in the Lord. We need to encourage them. I want to suggest that we must encourage them to remember. To always trust in the Lord. When you're young and you're trying to get your bearings in life and you're trying to get established and get rolling, so to speak. Sometimes life is topsy-turvy. Sometimes there are good days. Sometimes there are bad days. Life is full of cycles, isn't it? Sometimes, if we're not careful, we, we forget to trust in God. So I think about encouraging our young people, come what may, always, always, always trust in the Lord. Solomon, when he wrote to his son, said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And the promise is he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. I'm so grateful for all the young folks we have here. We have some of the greatest young people anywhere. We have so much talent in this congregation. And by the way, when we talk about encouraging our young people in the Lord, we need to encourage them to use their talents for the Lord, for His glory. You think about the possibilities among our young right here today. We might have a future president. We might have the first woman president in our assembly today. We have so much to offer. It's wonderful to encourage our children to pursue academic excellence. And I'm so grateful for our young people who are going to school and learning and deciding what they want to do to make an impact in this world. And let me tell you, the world, the sky's the limit, isn't it? You can do anything. Spiritually, don't forget about the Lord. Don't forget to use the talent or the ability that God has blessed you with. Use your talent, use your ability to teach Bible class. Use your talent or ability to lead singing. To serve as an elder, a preacher, a deacon. Use your talent and ability to be an encourager in Christ. I'm telling you, we got so much talent here. And we need to encourage our young people to use those talents. Use them to the glory of God. Think about what Jesus said. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our young people are the future. The future of our country, the future of the church, that's why this lesson is so important. 
Because one day that mantle will be, well, the baton will be changed, won't it? In other words, we'll pass it on. And they'll be the leaders. And then there's one other thing. We must encourage them. We must encourage them to remember the time that they have before the Lord. God has blessed you to live in a beautiful world. Enjoy every day. Make the most of it. As Paul said in Ephesians 5, redeem the time. I look out and see all the young faces here. And I remember what a blessing it was to be young, young. I want to consider myself young, but I'm probably fooling myself. But I think about the blessings of youth. Use every single day to its maximum potential. Get every second out of every minute, out of every hour, out of every day out of every month, out of every year. You know, the psalmist said we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but he said it's soon cut off and we fly away. Time will get by you so quickly. David said I was young, now I'm old. So use your time wisely. That would be my prayer. I want to close by sharing with you some words that have been penned by one of our members. And in closing, I want to say, as a parent, we can't afford to fail. The cargo is far too precious. Our young people, they are everything. And to our young people, I would say, we love you. Your parents love you. Your grandparents love you. And we're always here for you. The other day, some of you may have seen the post. Eddie Archer shared on Facebook some thoughts about Andrew when he was baptized four years ago this month. And he said, little did we know that you had less than 30 days to live. By becoming a child of God, when you left this earth, you left your earthly father, and now you live with your heavenly father forever. One day I will see you again. Love you always. Your dad. And then here's what he said by way of a postscript. To all you moms and dads that lay up in the bed or whatever on Sunday mornings and don't take your children to church, when they grow up and stay in trouble, don't blame them, blame yourself. And everybody's asking why we have so many problems with our kids these days. Fights, school shootings, drugs, no respect for anybody. 90% is the mom and dad's fault for not taking them to church and raising them the right way. Please listen. If you don't take your kids to church and raise them the right way, 
you'll pay dearly one day, and so will they. And then he concludes by saying, says the Bible. He's right. He's right. I don't know where you are as a parent. I don't know if you've bought in or if you're on the fringes. But if you're not what you ought to be as a parent, I would encourage you today. Resolve today to make a change. To be the kind of parent that God would smile upon. Be like Abraham, of whom God said, for I know him. That he will guide his children and his household after him. I promise you this. If you'll buy in and you will be what God would have you to be, God will bless you and you will never regret it. If you don't buy in and you're not what God would have you to be, you will regret it. Unbelievably. And your children, they are the ones that will ultimately, play, that will ultimately pay the greatest cost. So today, if as a parent, if you're here today, whatever your state in life might be, young or old, and you've never obeyed the gospel, could I say to you that Jesus loves you? As we sing sometimes, Jesus loves you. And he went to the cross and died for your sins. He wants you to be in heaven with him. So what would you need to do to become one of his children, to be a part of his body, to have the hope of heaven? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Repent of all your sins, just like they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, 38. Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. And then be immersed in water, so that all your sins can be forgiven. God will then put you in the church, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And then just be faithful. Live to the glory of God. If you're here this morning and your life is not what it ought to be, we're here to help you. We're here to pray with you, to pray for you, the assurance that God will abundantly pardon. We understand that what, what James said is true. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that with you and for you today as we stand and sing.